Welcome to Authors of the Pacific Northwest, where we connect authors with new listeners and provide advice to aspiring authors on the business of writing. I'm your host, Vicki J. Carter. So hi there, podcast listeners. Thank you so much for coming back to the Authors of the Pacific Northwest. And this week, I have the pleasure of introducing you to a wonderful lady who has written a book I'm very excited to hear about. Her name is Donna Cameron. So Donna, can you say hello to the listeners? Hello. Thank you for inviting me, Vicki. Oh, you're so welcome. So I'm just going to launch right in, Donna, with the title of your book because I'm, I'm very drawn to it. Her title of her book is called A Year of Living Kind kindly choices that will change your life and the world around you which is absolutely exciting for me so donna we're going to definitely dig a little bit deeper in the whole process of this book with that whole year with you but first let's get to know you a little bit tell us a little bit about yourself starting with what state in the pacific northwest you reside in I live in Washington in a little suburb called Briar, just north of Seattle. Okay, so you're up there, up in the north. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, good, good area. And so, Donna, doing some research, I, I noticed um, that you had talked about your your um, career prior to the book, which I love. You're, I'm very fascinated with your background. So share with us what your background is um, before before we dive, dive into the actual book itself. Well, for about 30 years, I worked with um, nonprofit organizations. As a, We had a company that managed not-for-profit organizations, trade and professional nonprofits, charitable, philanthropic. And so that really was where I got to see kindness in action on a daily basis. We worked with boards and volunteers and people who were involved in organizations because of their love for the cause or for the the um, the profession, uh, not because they were being paid for it. They were all mm-hmm. volunteer mm-hmm. and uh, they were really special people. So we saw a lot of kindness. And I think that's one of the things that really alerted me to the fact that there's a difference between being kind and being nice. And mm. um, I want I wanted to take a deep dive into that. I love that. I love the fact that you set that up with just that one statement that there's a big difference between being kind and being nice. That is so, so very true. Yeah. <laughs> so very true. Wonderful. And so, so I'm sure that even working with the volunteers in that environment was even contagious a little bit because when you work around individuals that have a passion for something and they're not getting paid for it, it can be contagious. A little bit. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. So, um, the year. So I'm curious because a year's a long time. It's 12 months, 365 days. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I'm sure that everybody can find times in their life for kindness, right? But a whole year living mindfully about that kind of walk me through that process. Did you, you made a conscious effort and then were you journaling and were you looking for opportunities? How did that go? How did you start the format of it, the whole year of it? Well, I have always, well, for the last probably 15 years, I've really wanted to focus on kindness. Mm-hmm. And I always sort of set an intention of, you know, really being kinder. It's not that I was unkind, but I, yeah. I think I settled for nice a lot. Yes. Um, and then I would just let that 
that intention fall by the wayside when I got really busy at work or lots of stresses. Uh, I would just sort of let it fall away. So at the beginning of 2015, I decided to blog about it. And um, I thought that would sort of hold my feet to the fire because I invited some friends to follow the blog and said that I was going to focus for a year on exploring kindness. And it wasn't just commitment to, yeah, yeah. So, you know, if, if at the Ides of March, I had, I let it peter out, that would be really noticeable. Mm -hmm. So that really was all it took to, to keep it in my, um, in my radar and in my headlights, uh, for the entire year. I blogged, uh, initially twice a week and then realized that was, uh, I was still working full time then. Uh, that was a lot. So I yeah. cut back to once a week and it wasn't just writing about, in fact, what I tried to avoid was writing much about me. I didn't want to say, Oh, today I did this nice thing. Um, but I, I'm a little bit nerdy so I wanted to do some research into mm-hmm. kindness. Uh, in recent years, there's been a lot of science about the benefits of kindness, the health benefits and the business benefits and the uh, personal satisfaction and things. Uh, there are a lot of universities and research centers that are actually measuring and, and validating that kindness is really matters and it makes a difference in our lives. Mm-hmm. So I explored a lot of that. Uh, um, research and shared that as well as just shared what some of my observations were about what some of the barriers to kindness are and some of the the skills and how to deal with unkind people and bullies and things like that. Mm -hmm. So there was plenty to write about. Mm -hmm. And my intention initially wasn't to write a book. Um, I had written another book earlier and so I, I I'm no stranger to writing, and I've always been a writer, but my initial intention was really just to focus on kindness and see what it felt like, mm-hmm. and and then I realized midway through the year that you don't declare a year of living kindly, and then at the end of the year say, oh, well, that was fun. I think next year I'll learn how to play the clarinet. Exactly. I'm or just going like to store this away for myself. It's all for me, right? Because <laughs> that's part yeah. of it, right? It's sharing what you've learned and, yeah. and, and hopefully giving out to others is a whole part of that process, I would think. I really did want to share it. And, and by then, my blog following had grown a lot, and people at the end of the year said, please keep keep writing the blog, which I still am, mm-hmm. and um, several su- suggested a book. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of sort of how it happened. Uh, and then it became really a lifelong commitment, not a not one year mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. move on to something else. Mm-hmm. Because you you talk about how it is life changing and it and it can be a world global life changing aspect, but I would think it's also personally you you just become a different person in this kind of a process. Am I correct? I think so. And I'm certainly not ever going to claim that I've become a paragon of kindness. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, and I never will. It's, mm-hmm. it, I'm a work in progress, yeah. but there's so much more kindness in my life now. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm so much more aware of the kindness around me, things that I might have mm-hmm. been oblivious to mm-hmm. before, whether it's my own opportunities to extend a kindness or 
the kindnesses that people are extending all around me. Mm -hmm. So it really has been life-changing in that sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, even, even with my uh, still occasional lapses, I'm so much happier and, uh, I just feel so much more connected. Mm-hmm. I, I think you've nailed a lot of it on the head. Uh, um, as far as things that I was thinking about, uh, when I was thinking about our interview is that, um, I really am a believer that you attract the energy that you give out in this world. Oh. And so I I really believe that if people are struggling with drama or trauma or, and, you know, things like that, they may, and, and they have people in their lives that are just that way all the time. It's because they may be giving that energy out. They might need to go and spend some time looking at <laughs> how to remedy that in their own lives first. <laughs> and then yeah. what they can bring forward in their, you know, and around them. So I think that that's interesting that for you, the process was that you started to notice probably more kindness and that that's that energy feeling that I, I kind of get when, that, when I explain that. It's really true. Um, you know, one of the things people warned me when I started the blog was um, you're going to get trolls and people are going to, you know, say terrible things and m- moderate your comments because people are going to be you know, really rude. Nobody ever was, and it's now been almost four and a half years, and I haven't had a rude comment. It's just in the most wonderful community of people who care Mm -hmm. about kindness. Mm-hmm. I love it. Oh, I think that's yeah. Brilliant. And that once again is another example that that doesn't always have to be that way. I think there's some fear for people, especially in the, a writing community, in a blog, or in a writing sense, to put themselves out there and really expose themselves or expose a philosophy or a principle like this. Um, they're afraid of having that black backlash coming back to them. But I also am a believer that you shouldn't do anything out of fear, including hiding. <laughs> you should never mm-hmm. hide out of fear. And so, so awesome. Really great. So you touched on one question uh, answer that I um, typically ask authors that come on. So this was, it sounds like this was a process that you went through. You mentioned that you never, you weren't really planning on writing a book. You weren't really going that route. When did you realize though that you were an author? Like, did it just come from this book process, you know, doing the blog and the book? Is that where the idea dropped in your head that you're an author? <laughs> um, well, I've written since I was a teenager. I've, I've always just considered myself a writer and I did lots of writing um, as part of my job for clients. And plus I've had articles and things published. And then in 2011, I worked with another author, a wonderful Northwest uh, writer named Kristen Leathers. Mm-hmm. And we wrote a book um, uh, called One Hill, Many Voices, Stories of Hope and Healing. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, a compilation of interviews and stories about the cancer journey. And it was from the vantage point of cancer survivors and their family members and caregivers and counselors and healthcare professionals. And it was just a wonderful experience. So Mm -hmm. um, I I knew what I'd be getting into if if I committed to writing another book. And I was (laughs) I was not hesitant. You know, the only thing that really um, I was hesitant about is 
I I was talking to some agents and editors, and mm-hmm. they were very interested in the book, and they kept referring to it as self-help. Oh, see, yes, we're going to talk about this, weren't we? <laughs> uh, yeah, I have to uh-huh. confess, I ha- yeah. I, I'm i not crazy about the yeah. concept of self-help books. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are some really, really wonderful ones out there, mm-hmm. and then a lot of them... I've picked up because they sound interesting and I've never made my way through it because uh-huh. it, they're sometimes, and this is certainly not all all of them, but sometimes it's an author who has found what works for them, mm-hmm. you know, whether mm-hmm. it's um, you know, to to make them happy or rich or successful or mm-hmm. give them inner peace, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And it's almost written in the sense that, well, if you do exactly what I tell mm-hmm. you, then you'll you'll have my same success. Yeah, a little formulaic, right? <laughs> yeah, very. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think personal growth works that way. Mm-hmm. I, I think most of us want to read about someone's experience and what they've learned and what they're sharing and then customize that to them to themselves to their own lives that's how that's how mm-hmm. growth happens yeah exactly and yeah. so when you were talking with agents and publishers at that time because I know you and I mentioned a little bit through email correspondence back and forth before the interview so we you don't consider this a self-help it's more of a memoir which I like that idea um, well, I guess I'd I'd call it a little bit of both. It's mm-hmm. uh, someone called it a self help memoir, and I I kind of like that. Um, but it's it's a little bit of both, uh, and and maybe some, neither of of some too. Uh, I actually wrote an article for um, um, I can't what was the site? Women writers, women books mm-hmm. on that. Um, you know, is it a memoir? Or is it self help? And I compared it to that. You're probably too young, Vicky, <laughs> but there's an old classic Saturday Night Live skit with Gilda Radner and Dan Aykroyd. Um, they're bickering about whether New Shimmer is a floor wax or a dessert topping. <laughs> and then and then Chevy Kate, Chevy Chase comes along and and solves the dispute by saying it's both. Oh, <laughs> and so oh, that's wow. sort of how I feel about about whether this book is self-help or memoir. Yeah, it's both. And um you know, what my hope is that readers will um will find what they're looking for in it and then mm-hmm. customize it to to their lives. As soon as I realized I didn't have to be the expert, but Mm -hmm. I could write the book that the book that I would have wanted to have when I committed to a year of living kindly. Mm -hmm. As soon as Mm -hmm. I realized that, then it just fell together, and it was so much fun to write. It was it was just a labor of love, and I think the fun I had writing it comes through. Uh, Mm -hmm. Humor can be a really good teacher. Oh, absolutely. I, I don't really want to read or be told by people that don't have enough humor in their lives. <laughs> you know, yeah. Because honestly, we have to laugh at ourselves for crying out loud. Oh, yeah. We're, we're human. We do some silly things. So let's walk a little bit through the process for you um, from, you know, having that realization that it's not self-help, it's both, which I love that concept. Um, I think really good books are going to be more than one thing. And it can, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's fantastic. Going from there, did you get an agent? Are you self-published? How did, what's your publishing journey? Because I'm curious to hear that process. 
I worked with an agent briefly, um, and she guided me to She Writes Press, mm-hmm. which is a hybrid. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not self-publishing, but it's not a, an entirely traditional model. Authors participate financially in the publishing process, and then at the same time, they have a lot of control over the final product and the mm-hmm. decision-making. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at the back end, there's a more generous royalty formula. Mm-hmm. So for for me, it was really the best of both worlds. It it gave me the balance of maintaining control and also getting the guidance and expertise that I needed because mm-hmm. there was a whole lot I didn't know about about publishing. Mm-hmm. And She Writes Press is such a, a wonderful company. In fact, they were just named the Indie Publisher of the Year. Uh, I saw uh, for, that because I've been yeah. keeping my eye on them. So we had a, a couple of other She Write authors on. And at first, I didn't know anything about them. And then they introduced me to it. And I've been keeping my eye on it because I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't know what I want to do when I get done with this book, but I know it's probably not going to be traditional, but I know I need support. So I've been keeping mm-hmm. my eye on She Writes because I'm like, I hear such great things about them. I'm just really happy I went to, went with them. And there was a bonus that I didn't anticipate that turns out to be one of the best things of all. And that's the community of authors. Mm-hmm. Uh, she Writes really has helped build community. So we... Um, you know, we have our own Facebook page and we share advice and expertise. And if a, a She Writes author comes to town, other local authors will show up for her and be supportive. I just can't imagine now that I've had this experience, having done it without that supportive community, mm-hmm. it would have been a whole lot lonelier and a lot less fun. Well, and I've I've interviewed authors across the Northwest that have had every imaginable experience from traditional, traditional publishing. Um, some have been with the big publishing companies. They have PR, they have agents, all the way down to, you know, the author that has written one book and just one book out and has gone completely self um, publishing and has very little support. So I, I I think that's why this podcast was really all about me. I tell people all the time it's about me because I wanted to hear all the experiences <laughs> so I could find out what I wanted to do. It's the research part of it. But I like the idea of a hybrid process. I feel like there's a lot of support. Um, and then And then do they support you in um, the selling of the book and the marketing of it? Because that's always the big tricky thing for authors, I think. Well, the, um, the distribution they are really professional in and it's the d- distribution matches traditional publishing. So it goes on Amazon and it goes to Barnes and Noble and it goes to all the places that the big five or the traditional publishers go to. In terms of actual publicity, no, that's and and most publishers now don't mm-hmm. don't do, yeah. do that unless you're a James Patterson or yeah, a J.K. Yeah. Rowling or something. Exactly, our wish and dream, right? <laughs> yeah, but they they encourage all of their authors to work with a publicist, and mm-hmm. um, I did 
um, in, interview several publicists and then hire one that just oh, was fabulous, a good, wonderful good. fit for me. Good. Yeah. Now uh, that's a whole and, other experience too. A publicist, see, a lot of people don't realize how much work there is into getting yourself out there and a publicist, the right fit for you, just like you said, Donna. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Work wonders, right? <laughs> Oh, it's so true. And actually, I got sort of a cautionary warning um, before I hired a, a publicist. I was talking to another author who had published a book a year or so ahead of me, and she was saying how much she actually regretted uh, everything because she was miserable. She said she was miserable in the months leading up to publication and right after because she couldn't relax. She was just so worried that she was missing something mm-hmm. and she stressed over everything. Mm-hmm. And she said she wished she had a do-over because she, during the, that you know, about eight month period of pre and post publication, when everything's really busy, mm-hmm. uh, she was so stressed. She didn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I heard her say that, I, you know, but I decided right then and there that I wanted it to be a fun experience. Mm-hmm. So I would mm-hmm. do what I could and not worry about all the things I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And that's actually the reason I chose to work with the publicity company that I went with. Mm-hmm. Because during the informational interview, the company's president said to me, there are thousands of ways to publish your book mm-hmm. and it's impossible to do everything. So mm-hmm. let's focus on the things you enjoy doing and maybe some of the things you haven't done that you think you might enjoy mm-hmm. and not try to make you do things that don't appeal to you. Mm. Bingo. Nice. <laughs> that was exactly, exactly what I wanted. And, and that's exactly the experience I had. Well, I'm and glad they, you shared that with us. That's so great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially that advice. I'm sorry I cut you off there, Donna, but um, I... I've had a little bit of experience in the music industry with my husband and then just a teeny bit with me at the very beginning of my podcast working in a similar situation. And it made me realize that you really have to have a super great fit and they have to also listen to you. So it sounds like they, they're really focused in on helping you find the things that you enjoy to make it a great experience. What great advice from the other author they gave to you too, is to make sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. She had to go through that to get, to give me such good advice, but But thank you. uh, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because these are words that I'm going to be listening to in my back of my mind thinking, yeah, there's a reason why there's publicists out there. If you can find a really good one that fits you well, that it's a good partnership. Just like mm-hmm. if you're looking for an agent, if that's the route you want to go, you have to find the one that is a good fit for you. You can't just... Yeah. Uh, well, I think your use of the word partner is spot on. It really is a partnership. Yeah. Well, Donna, let's talk a little bit about the beautiful cover, the cover art on your, I just, I really love it. And and you carry the theme very well on your website. And um, I have a huge love. So listeners, when you listen to the podcast, make sure you stop by Donna's website and take a look. I have a huge love for leaves, um, probably because we live in the Pacific Northwest and we have beautiful falls, but share with us the concept and how that process went through um, for you. Well, it was it was very interesting, and I have to confess, I, before this, I really didn't give book covers a lot of thought. Mm-hmm. I just sort of assumed that a book cover emerged out of some 
some perfect mind meld between the author and, and the publisher's art department. Um, but my experience was, was very different and uh, it turned out wonderful in the end. But one of the first things the publisher told me was, don't ever est- underestimate the importance of a book's cover. People yeah. really do judge a book by its cover. hundred yeah. percent. So after agree. signing the, <laughs> yeah, after signing the contract, the first thing they did was send me this really lengthy questionnaire with great questions um, that would provide the cover designer what she needed to make a cover that would convey the essence of the book and attract the sort of reader who would love it. And there were questions like. Um, you know, what was my intent in writing the book? Who who are who do I think are the primary readers? What are the most important points I want to convey? You know, how do I want it to touch readers' lives and thing a whole bunch bunch of things like that. And so, in my response, and it took hours to to complete this uh, questionnaire, I really tried to convey that kindness is a strength and it takes confidence and courage and we're in the midst of an epidemic of incivility and we can turn it around with kindness and kindness touches all people and just went into all sorts of things like like that, trying to convey kindness as a superpower. And so a few few weeks later, I received a message from my publisher with three cover comps attached and they were sure I was going to love them. So I couldn't Mm -hmm. wait to open this Mm -hmm. and I clicked and opened it. I wish we were on a visual and I could share with you what I saw. (laughs) They were pastel and flowery with pink ribbons and yellow daisies. And um, two of them showed a woman's very white hand holding flowers. One had a butterfly in it. In short, they were really feminine, mm-hmm. uh, very Caucasian, delicate, mm-hmm. flowery. Mm-hmm. And they were really pretty. And I wrote back and said that they were lovely book covers, but they weren't for the book I had written. Mm. And again, I tried to repeat that, you know, I, I want to convey that kindness is a strength and it mm-hmm. cur- takes courage. And it's not just women. It's not Absolutely. feminine or flowery. Yeah. It's it's where our courage and our heart intersect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also said that if they wanted people on the cover, that was fine, but it, it needed to be a crowd because it needed yeah. to be representative, men and women yeah. and old and young and people of color. It really needed to be inclusive. So about two weeks later, they sent me 35 images, not yeah. not 35 <laughs> book covers, but just pictures that yeah. the artist had found that she thought I might like. And again, most of them were really flowery and feminine and abundantly pastel. Mm. But there was one that caught my eye that was earthy and strong. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was really eye-catching and reflected nature in the heart. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I wasn't sure. I wasn't quite ready to commit because I wasn't sure it was perfect or if I just liked it because it wasn't like all the others. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I asked them to create a comp with that image and also come up with a few few more kind of like it. And so we went back and forth for a few more weeks with some more comps. And, we, and then we finally settled on one using that image that, mm-hmm. that I had liked originally mm-hmm. and the one that is now on the book cover. And, you know, as a result of going with a strong, not pastel or flowery cover, 
large numbers of men are buying the book mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and women are telling me mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah women are telling me that when they're reading it their husbands or boyfriends will say oh that looks interesting can i read it when you're done mm-hmm. and that would never have happened Mm-mm. if the cover had been you know pink pink posies and, mm-hmm. and ribbons mm-hmm. and things like that mm-hmm. uh, so i just has really opened my eyes to how important that cover is in in um, attracting the audience you you want, and I, I was just really grateful to my publisher for having the patience to to work with me because I it, it was a, it took a little time. Uh, the cover artist certainly sure had her own impression of what kindness was. I'm like, no more books from her, please. <laughs> well, she finally did, was open to seeing it differently. Yeah. And, and uh, um, there was a, another bonus out of that. And that's at the end of 2018, my book cover was named the best nonfiction book cover of the year oh. by American Book Fest. Oh, my so, goodness. Uh, well, congratulations. And for the artist, too, because she gets to have that accolades as well. Yeah. So yeah. What, and you know what that comes down to, Donna? That comes down to the idea of a real strong partnership. And you spoke up for yourself. You didn't just go with the first thing that came because you you have a voice. And that's really powerful and inspiring. So wonderful. Um so Donna, this book has actually had quite a bit of accolades. <laughs> so listeners, we're talking to an award-winning author here. Um, so Donna, share with us some of the other great um, rewards that the book has received. Oh gosh. Um, well, it, it has. I've been blessed by um, a number of awards that have just sort of blown me away. It won a, a gold Ippy from the independent publishers, mm-hmm. and then it came. It, it was a first place winner in the Eric Hoffer Awards, um, a winner in the Next Generation Indie Book Awards, and Kirkus named it a best book of 2018. So I'm just so grateful and so blessed by um, by the uh, attention it's gotten and some of the the accolades. It's into its third printing now, which I'm just very wow. proud and happy that, about. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And what what I'm hoping is that uh, that this will bring some attention to kindness and people will mm-hmm. start talking about it because mm-hmm. we're really going to need it in the year ahead. I agree. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I agree, and and I do feel like we there are some of us that have been hungry for that discussion to come forward and and be something we talk about. I I noticed also that you um, do some speaking engagements. You'll do corporate engagements, and you'll you'll go into corporate um, settings and and talk about the culture of climate in industry and business. And and I just want to tell you, thank you for doing that. I can imagine that there. There's not enough of that. I mean, working in just the environments that I've worked in, it's something that I just crave that we can have those discussions. <laughs> and so, thank you. I think that's wonderful. <laughs> oh, yeah. And th- there's so much evidence now that kind businesses are more successful and more profitable and more mm-hmm. productive. So, it's, it's, uh, I think it's catching on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. A lot of people are taking kindness seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And so, a little bit of story about me. So, I'm going to reveal so my listeners know that occasionally I share little tidbits. So, in, in one of the roles I was just, re- I was in, in leadership, um, I was being asked to, you know, retrain and work with individuals, but I was being asked to do it in a way that I didn't feel represented our values or it didn't 
represent me in a kind way of doing it. It was just very quick, get it trained. And if they can't fix it, then let's release them from their positions. And I was like, I can't do that. And it got down to the point of where it came down to me not willing to function that way or lose my job. And um, luckily for me, I, I had a voice and I said, this I, we have to do something different. I need to move to a different position if this is the way that we're going to operate. And I was able to move to a better place that I'm in a much happier place where I can actually be kind every day <laughs> to those I work oh, with. Good. And, 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 but it's something that absolutely um, is powerful to me because I don't believe that we can inspire change and help others grow if we don't do it with some patience and kindness and gentleness. And also, yeah, we have to have, you know, um, foundations of timelines, but we don't need to make that the forefront when people are learning new skills or new, even new concepts of how to be to each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so yeah, so I, I think that your voice going into corporate America or even into other aspects of um, industry is very valuable. So I'm excited to see that you're doing that. And I hope you're incredibly busy. <laughs> 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 that would be my wish for you. So, Mine too. Yeah. So, um, Donna, we've deviated a lot because your your book is, you know, very different some, than some of the other books that we have on. So we've kind of deviated from some of the questions um, that I usually ask. Can you share with us before we have you do your reading? Because read, listeners, she's going to uh, Donna's going to share some readings with you. So I'm kind of excited about hearing that too. But there's two things I'm curious about. The first thing is, what is one thing that you would like listeners that don't know you yet, this is their first time hearing you and hearing about this book that you've written, um, and they're excited, what's one thing you would like them to know about you as a person? And it doesn't have to be around the whole concept of kindness. It can be something random. Um, So that's the first question. And then the second one, I'll repeat it after you get done with that one, is um, what is your best advice to an author like myself who's starting out and, um, you know, working on their first book and is ready to just get to the part of maybe finding a publishing situation? So the first one is what would you like um, the listeners now to know about you personally or a, a little bit about yourself? Um... I love writing. Mm-hmm. I um, I think that it's really a powerful thing, um, and it's fun. And I hope that that my enjoyment of writing comes through uh, in everything I write. Um, you know, with regard, uh, it, right now because I'm so involved in this book, it's hard to separate my writing from kindness and. If I can accomplish anything, I want to dispel the notion that kindness is weak or insubstantial. Mm-hmm. I, I really want people to recognize the courage it takes to to be kind, to stand up and be kind, maybe when everybody else stays seated or to speak out when mm-hmm. everybody else stays silent. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think we really need that now when there are a lot of bullies and trolls and hurtful mm-hmm. people who seem mm-hmm. to be the loudest voices these mm-hmm. days. So um, I, I just, I hope people will claim their own kindness as a result of, of something they they read or hear. Um, and it's not because I've become a paragon of kindness. It's just because there's so much evidence out there of 
how life-changing and world-changing kindness can be. Awesome. I love that. And then the second, I mean, I gave you two big questions, right? Yeah. <laughs> Out of the blue, right? The second question is, what advice would you give? You've been on this journey. You're going to the third printing. You wrote a book that has received, with good and reason, some nice accolades. And and um, so what would you say to somebody like me who's just starting out? You know, granted, I'm, I'm writing a historical fiction book. You know, it's not mm-hmm. on the but what would your advice be to someone like me? Well, there are the truisms that we hear everywhere, and, and I, I won't really repeat those, but, you know, um, you know get something down, crappy yeah, first draft can be edited, <laughs> a blank page can't. We all know those sorts of things to yes. be true. I think the three things I would tell a, a, a writer are make it fun, enjoy the process, be playful in your writing. Even mm-hmm. if what you're writing is really serious stuff, I mm-hmm. think you can find ways to make it fun for you. You can take your work seriously without taking yourself too seriously. Mm-hmm. So that would that would be one. Um, avoid comparisons. Mm. Don't don't compare your work or yourself to others. Uh, not to make yourself feel bad or to make yourself feel superior. Write yeah. for you. Yeah, and if it helps you write, write for a real or imagined audience, and but don't despair that you're not Margaret Atwood or Richard Russo or Joan Didion. The world already has those people. What it needs mm-hmm. is your voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so work on strengthening that voice, and then mm-hmm. that brings me really to the third one, which is keep on learning. Go mm-hmm. to writers' conferences, mm-hmm. connect with other writers, join a critique group take classes, read books about writing and mine them all for for your truth and your inspiration and and your skill building. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and if what you're hearing doesn't re- resonate with you after you've thought about it for a while, then discard it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, be open to hearing hearing new things and looking at your work with different eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then related to that, I'd say be generous with other writers, mm-hmm. share what you've learned, be an encourager. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All four things that I'm taking into my heart today. So thank you. <laughs> that was really for me, but all my listeners that are out there in the same place where, where I'm at, regardless of where your journey is, is a wonderful, wonderful advice. And uh, the one that uh, that sticks to me the most is, you know, make it fun. Don't make it so serious because I tend to be a very serious, professional orientated person. <laughs> and I got to remember, this is a journey I'm on and, and it needs to be an exciting, fun journey. So yeah, it does. I think as soon as I started getting more playful with my writing, my writing got better. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love it. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to set you up, Donna, for sharing with us your reading. So um, give us whatever background or information you want to before you start in the sections and um, so that we understand kind of where you're going, you know, because you're probably jumping midsection somewhere in your book. And then okay. um, the listeners know that I go quiet during this time um, while you're your reading and at the end of it I'll take us out of the podcast. Okay, sounds good. Um, the book's divided into 52 short chapters. It can be read as a weekly or a daily meditation um, or gobbled up in just a few sittings or the reader can pick and choose the chapters that speak to them. 
Uh, and it focuses first on the why of kindness, the benefits and the ways it changes our lives. And then it addresses some of the barriers, the things that get in the way. And then it goes into some of the skills and strategies of kindness, including how to effectively respond to unkindness and incivility. So I, I, I'm going to read a short section from early in the book that introduces some of the concepts of kindness, and then um, another short section from later in the book that talks about how to make a lasting commitment to kindness. So here's the first one. Most people would tell you that I'm a nice person. I was raised to be nice. Be nice was one of my mother's frequent mantras. It was repeated along with other instructions that aimed to assure that Connie's daughters never gave the neighbors anything to talk about and also never drew too much attention, good or bad, to themselves or to her. Sit up straight. Don't bite your nails. Be nice. These were the refrains of my childhood. My mother, while generally nice, was not especially kind. Nice allowed her to keep her distance from most people and avoid connecting or interacting at more than a superficial level. She was almost always civil, but effort and warmth were generally absent for all but the closest friends or relatives. And sometimes even then, her kindness was restrained. A string of losses from early childhood on had taught her not to trust or hope for too much, or set her sights too high. She lived with a deep regard for safety and a persistent fear of loss. With my mother as my model, I learned to be cautious, reserved, and nice. Some years ago, I realized that wasn't enough. I wanted to be more than nice. I wanted to abandon lingering fears and set my sights high. I wanted to be kind. There's just something about kind people. By their actions or sometimes by their mere presence, they make us feel good. They give us hope for the world. To me, being kind meant knowing at the end of each day that I had helped, that I was offering the best of who I am, and that I had perhaps made a difference. And it also meant spending less time looking for threats or failings and more time recognizing abundance and compassion. I saw that my life would matter if at its end people said of me, she was a kind person. I could think of no greater eulogy. So I aspired to be kind, and frequently I was. But just as often I was impatient, I was snarky, I was judgmental, I was indifferent, or simply oblivious. Being kind, truly kind, is hard. Nice requires little effort. I can be nice while also being indifferent, critical, even sarcastic. But I can't be kind and be any of those things. Being kind means caring. It means making an effort. It means thinking about the impact I'm having in an interaction with someone and endeavoring to make it rich and meaningful, giving them what they need at that exact moment without worrying about whether I get anything in return. It means letting go of my judgments and accepting people as they are. Kindness requires me to do something my upbringing discouraged. It demands that I reach out and that I take a risk. Kind is asking how we can help, offering our hand, jumping in without being asked, and engaging in conversation that goes beyond the superficial. 
all of these actions have an element of risk. We might be rebuffed, ignored, or rejected. Years ago, I had the pleasure of knowing Dr. Dale Turner, author, speaker, theologian, an extraordinarily kind man. He always carried with him and handed out little green cards with two simple words printed on them, extend yourself. I've carried that little card in my wallet for nearly three decades. It seems to me that the phrase extend yourself captures the essence of kindness. It also highlights the difference between niceness and kindness. A a life of kindness is not something that I live only when it suits me. I'm not a kind person if I'm kind only when it's easy or convenient. A life of kindness means being kind when it's neither convenient nor easy. In fact, sometimes it might be terribly hard and tremendously inconvenient. That's when it matters most. That's when the need is greatest and transformation dances at the edges of possibility. That's the time to take a deep breath and invite kindness to dance. Now we're going to, uh, toward the end of the book, a chapter called A Transformation or an Evolution, The 5% Plan. Have you ever been adopted by a stray cat? It prowls the porch for a few weeks. You put out some water and maybe a smidge of tuna. And before you know it, you're hand feeding him chicken merengue from the dinner table and making him a bed on the best chair in the bedroom. That's how kindness sneaks up on you. You start small and pretty soon it's a habitual practice that has made a home in your life. I'm a big believer in incremental change. Maybe that's because attempts to make lofty changes all at once have never worked for me. Whether it's exercise, writing, or keeping my office clean, an attempt to go from zero to 60 in one big leap always seems to result in failure. After years of thwarted good intentions, I finally realized that if I start small, exercise for 15 minutes, write for a half hour, clean one shelf of my bookcase, the resulting good feelings reinforce the action and I want to do more. And pretty soon, a new habit is ingrained. Kindness works the same way. One can't go from being oblivious and self-absorbed to being Mother Teresa's more compassionate sister by simply saying, from now on, I'm going to be a kind person. We have years of inattention and self-centeredness to overcome, not to mention the attendant fears of having our kindness rejected or doing it wrong. But we can go out of our way to perform one small kindness each day and perhaps after a couple of weeks perform two or engage in a large act of kindness. As we see how good it feels, we want to do more. And pretty soon we're approaching every encounter with the hope that there will be an opportunity to extend ourselves. I don't think there's such a thing as a small kindness. A warm smile, a kind word, a door held, a burden shared, all influence the receiver to pass it on or pay it forward. We have no way of knowing how far one kind action can reverberate. On the other side of the spectrum, we can stop the reverberation of unkindness by absorbing an insult without retaliating, 
or hearing harsh words and not hurling them back. These small but difficult acts will help slow the epidemic of unkindness. That's hard to do, especially when we're just itching to voice that clever retort that will put the person in his or her place. It helps to approach such encounters with a spirit of inquiry, to ask what might be motivating this person to ask, act as he does, and what burden he might be carrying that has shortened his temper and brought out the Darth Vader in him. We don't even have to understand. It's enough to recognize that there might be more going on than we can see and to give the benefit of the doubt. Kindness, like playing the piano or becoming proficient at golf, requires practice. One way to instill the practice that will lead to proficiency is to set an intention of being 5% kinder to ourselves and to others. Just 5% or maybe 2 or 10 Not a lot, but just enough to notice the difference it makes. Let that small incremental change take root and flower. After a while, with steady practice, kindness becomes both intentional and instinctive, and that's when magic happens. Think about it for a moment. What would you do differently if you were just 5% kinder to yourself, to others, to the planet? I love this quote from French philosopher Simone Weil. Even if our efforts of attention seem for years to be producing no result, one day a light that is in exact proportion to them will flood the soul. Like the stray cat who comes to stay, let kindness creep in. Feed it and make a bed for it. Before you know it, the light will flood your soul. Bravo. I love it. Very, very, very good, Donna. Thank you so much for writing this work in this book and for sharing it. And And I hope, listeners, that you were um, your interest was peaked. So if it was, get on the show notes, find Donna, get the book, let her know you heard her on the podcast. And um, thank you so much for being here with us. Oh, thank you, Vicki. It was delightful. I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much. You bet. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode as much as we did. Follow us on social media and sign up for our newsletter where you can be entered automatically each month to win a signed free copy of a book from an author that's appeared on the podcast. You can find out more at our website, www.squishpin.com. And finally, if you're an author in the Pacific Northwest and you would like to appear on the show, you can find out more on our website. So until next week, I hope you enjoy the journey. This is Vicki J. Carter signing off.